So I want to start by saying that the maternity clothes industry, I think on the whole, is a bit of a racket. Um, Maternity clothes tend to assume that the only place we grow is our belly. One of my favorite things to do is um, what I call a closet consult. It's hopping on a Zoom for about an hour. It can be longer if you want. And we go through the clothes you already have, right? I start by asking people what's something you love but you never wear, and let's figure out why. Are you pregnant or a new parent looking to ensure a better postpartum experience? Or are you a birth worker looking to improve your postpartum care skills? Check out Thriving After Birth, an online self-paced course by me, midwife and educator Tanya Tringali. It's 10 and a half hours of video content featuring experts in lactation, mental health, pelvic floor health, pediatric sleep issues. You also get worksheets and a workbook as well as options to have a one-on-one session with me. Sign up at motherwitmaternity.com slash thriving and let's improve postpartum care together. Hey everyone, I'm your midwife, Tanya Tringali. Welcome to the Motherwit Podcast, a show about the issues we healthcare consumers and providers face every day as we interact with the medical system. We'll talk about its blind spots, shortcomings, and share strategies we can use to feel seen and heard, no matter which side of the table we sit on. I just want to say, for the record, that I am not a stylish person. I can look put together when I have to, but I hate shopping, I hate wearing makeup, and I hate feeling at all uncomfortable in my clothes. But I have to say, I actually learned a few useful strategies from today's guest that I can and will apply to my own life and wardrobe, and I did not expect to say that. Sophie Strauss is a mom and a stylist. She is passionate about personal expression, inclusivity, and sustainability, and she loves working with pregnant and postpartum people. She works with and for normal people every day, not the rich and famous, not celebrities. She recommends things like buying secondhand, hand-me-downs, and even runs clothing swaps in her community. She is the real deal stylist for regular people. At one point, I was listening to her talk and thinking about how applicable her advice is in so many other aspects of life. What a pleasant surprise. Anyway, I had her on the show for our soon-to-be-pregnant and newly-pregnant listeners. Hopefully, this will save you some time, trouble, and money as your body starts to change more rapidly. I hope you enjoy the show. Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you. This is actually a really different episode than what I'm used to doing, so it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for me. <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I love to challenge people. No, well, I, I love that this challenge can be one that's kind of fun, and I really think our listeners will value what it is that you have to offer. So um, do me a favor and introduce yourself. Tell us whatever it is you think you want to share. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sophie Strauss. I am a stylist for regular people. I'm based in Los Angeles, but I actually work um, with clients all over the world, actually, um, virtually, you know, over Zoom. God bless Zoom. And um, I really uh, try to emphasize inclusivity, personal expression, feeling good in our bodies, and, you know, 
sustainability when I can, you know, and, and all of those kinds of things in my work. Also, uh, something that I don't always share on podcasts, but feels relevant here is I have a one-year-old. I am a, I consider myself a relatively new mom. And so I've also recently gone through the pregnancy, birth, postpartum experience and starting this business actually really like coincided with that in a kind of cool way. So um, it's felt like a really organic overlap actually. And and I would say the majority of my clients have often been either new moms or moms who are not as new, but are sort of going through that like identity crisis of, okay, who am I? Am I just a mom? Am I not only a mom? Right? Like what, whatever those things are. And so this felt like such a great overlap of my sort of two main identities at this moment. Yeah. It, it's super cool because when I think about how many people I've interviewed who are, you know, like you just said, new-ish moms, and they have become really passionate about, let's say, lactation or becoming a doula or whatever it is, um, you are having a similar experience in that you've taken this business of yours that's really cool and interesting and already had a unique flair, I think, but you've really been honing in on this pregnancy and postpartum piece, which is why I'm so interested in your work because, gosh, is this a time in life when we really need to feel good about ourselves and some people feel really great about themselves and some people don't and i think that you're going to be able to offer our listeners some tips and tricks and maybe even some people will decide oh my gosh i need this person in my life (laughs) (laughs) yes i i am uh available to hire by any regular person. I don't, you know, I, I occasionally work with people who, you know, are on the celebrity spectrum, but like the majority of my clients are regular people. And as I said, a lot of them are new moms. And I also, um, you know, part of how we actually ended up connecting, I believe is a a client of yours who was a new mom and, and we had such a great experience working together. And then, um, I actually ended up teaching a pregnancy and postpartum class that's still available for anybody to take, but it just was like, oh my gosh, this is such a moment of sort of surrender and flux and, um, changing identity, changing body. I mean, the amount that your body changes in like a two year period is just really wild and, um, and challenging. And it's sometimes I think seems silly to people to think about style, but I think it's one of those few places that people feel a little bit of agency in these moments of like real change. And it can be really hard then if you feel like, oh my God, I can't even dress the way I kind of want to dress because my body is changing constantly and I don't know what fits or what's comfortable or all of these things. And so it was sort of this like real joy to be able to give people some tools to get a little bit of that agency back. Yeah, and and I think people come in not only so many shapes and sizes, literally speaking, but figuratively as well. Some people really want to show their belly off. They like wearing form-fitting clothing and they're really appreciating this time in their life. And other people just want to put on a paper bag and like have it all go away and not have people kind of approach them and all of this. So you've got a big challenge in terms of like figuring out who wants and needs what so that they can feel good about themselves and in their bodies and clothing. So on that note, I actually want to ask you, how do you work with people? Like, what are the ways? Do you go into people's homes? Is it virtual? I know you mentioned you have a course. So what are the wide ranging ways that people can work with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the majority of my work, I would say, is virtual just because my clients are kind of all over the country. Um, I do occasionally have clients in Los Angeles. And for those folks, if they want to work in person, we can. But honestly, especially, especially, especially with moms, they're really busy, right? A one-hour Zoom is much easier to commit to and, you know, gift yourself than, you know, oh, we're going to go spend a couple hours shopping or I'm going to come over and, you know, go through your closet with you. But I do all of those things. So we can do one of my favorite things to do is um, what I call a closet consult. It's hopping on a Zoom for about an hour. It can be longer if you want. And we go through the clothes you already have, right? I start by asking people what's something you love but you never wear and let's figure out why. And Um, I really have no agenda in terms of how I want anybody to look. The only agenda I have is how I want people to feel, which is good in their clothes. And that might mean, you know, to your point about how some everybody experiences pregnancy, just as an example, really differently. I really, really, really don't subscribe to a one size fits all sort of approach, even in my class. Um, I really try to present a really wide range of ways people might want to feel or express themselves or dress during pregnancy and postpartum. And so I I always sort of try to meet people where they're at and what they want and figure out the best thing for that person. Um, but so I can do a closet consult. Sometimes a closet consult, we, we identify a couple gaps in someone's closet and we go, okay, great. Then maybe you need an, a couple new blouses and a shirt and you don't have any boots and you know, you, you've you changed sizes and your pants don't fit. So let's find you some pants that fit because everybody deserves to have pants that fit. And sometimes that can be done uh, in like a virtual online shopping list. Sometimes that if they're in Los Angeles, we go shopping together. Um, there's a bunch of other services too. trip packing services. Um, I have some classes that people can either when I'm doing them, um, live, people can attend the class or, um, they're all recorded and then people can purchase the recordings. Um, there's, you know, I do wedding styling services, event styling services. Sometimes it's like a single thing where somebody's like, oh, I have this jacket that I bought 10 years ago and I love it so much and it's falling apart and I need a new one, but I can't, it's, they don't sell it anymore. Can you help me find something similar? Right. We do that. I offer sliding scale pricing so that it's accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and I'm adding new services all the time as I kind of get to know people's needs. Um, but the, that's sort of the bulk of how people work with me. And you can go on my website and, you know, I have a big list of services there. That's amazing. I really never imagined that I would be talking to a stylist on this show for starters, but also one <laughs> who I, I honestly feel like we have structured our businesses in very similar ways because we have a similar goal. We're really trying to reach regular people. Um, and that's, yeah. I think, not common in either of our spheres. I mean, in my, if I was going to work in an office setting, then it would be normal. But for me in this virtual world, I'm really trying to reach normal people. There's something that you were talking about in your course as I was reviewing it that I want to ask you about. Um, but I want to put a little twist on it. Also, you talked about maternity sizing being complicated and I really want to hear your view on that. In all reality, I don't know anything about this. So I, just because I'm a midwife doesn't mean I have ever really paid a lot of attention to maternity clothes. So I was kind of surprised by that. I didn't really think about it. My only child is 22 years old. And let me just tell you that 22 years ago, there were very few maternity clothing options. Um, And so I didn't want to buy any maternity clothes because I bought one pair of pants and it was like that whole thing where there's like a belly pocket and it has to go all the way up to like right under your boobs. And then that was really irritating to me and I hated those pants. So then I went to the Gap and bought two pairs of cargo pants 
and I looked like a construction worker. And I wore those pants throughout the whole pregnancy. I never felt like I looked good. So I totally, totally understand why this is so important. I felt really dumpy the whole pregnancy. And I kind of hid myself weirdly in a way that isn't what I usually do. But at the same time, I've been watching how clothing has changed over 22 years. I've actually, the only time I ever feel jealous and want to be pregnant is I'm like, look at all these great options. This would be so much better now. But obviously, I mean, still a I problem. was pregnant a year ago or two years ago now. And even when I was making this course, I was like, damn, those pants are so cute. I wish those were around like a year ago when I was pregnant. So 22 years ago, I can totally imagine. It's so crazy. So yeah, I have this weird little jealous streak of how much, how many options seem to exist, but you're shining a light on the fact that there's still a problem, but I don't even entirely understand what the problem is. So I'm sure for our listeners who are planning a pregnancy or early in pregnancy, they don't know what's coming either. So if you could shed some light on the system and what it is that's so screwed up about it, that would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I want to start by saying that the maternity clothes industry, I think on the whole, is a bit of a racket. And a big thing that I sort of try to emphasize in my class is that there are a handful of things that are worth getting one or two actually designated maternity pieces because of the way that they fit. Even if it's, you know, you're buying something ultimately that you're really only going to wear for a couple months. Maybe you're going to have another pregnancy soon and you'll wear it again or whatever. But ultimately, it's not a very sustainable way to shop, right? It's not a very cost-effective way to shop. So, but but you'll get, especially with social media now, right? Like a, there's some study that was like, Facebook knows you're pregnant before you do or something like that, right? So it's like, you will start getting advertised all of these very fancy, expensive maternity, you need a maternity this and a nursing that and a maternity, you know, nursing, combo pumping this. And ultimately, a lot of those things are bullshit. You know, um, so so I, I want to sort of give that umbrella caveat. And like the, the first thing I would tell people is, oh my gosh, you're going to be advertised to so much for all of these things you're supposed to buy for pregnancy and postpartum. And most of them you do not need. Um, and uh, it can be a way that people calm their nerves by buying things, you know, oh, I think I'm prepared, whatever. We all make those mistakes. Sometimes you end up using it, right? Whatever. But there's a lot of things you don't need. There are a handful of pieces that I think are are worth getting, getting secondhand if you can, or getting as a hand-me-down, always better. But sometimes you got to buy something. There are a few things that are, that sort of fall into that category. Um, but the thing that's really tricky with maternity clothes and with maternity style, right, is maternity clothes in general, it's better than it was 22 years ago for sure, but they tend to have a pretty narrow um, sense of, of what it means to be a pregnant person, right? I mean, even in the in the term, right, maternity, it's very mm-hmm. gendered, right? There, We know that there are trans pregnant people. There are people who don't identify as women who are going through pregnancy. Um, it tends not to be very inclusive for people who fall into that end of the spectrum. Um, it also is like sort of stylistically very narrow. Even if it's, you know, even if you identify as a woman, you still might be like, oh my God, why is everything floral and flowy? And it's like, oh my God, am I supposed to only ever dress like an earth mother goddess, Mm -hmm. you know, in a long flowy dress or whatever? So it can feel really limiting in that way. So there's the sort of stylistic limitations of maternity clothes. But I think the other issue really is like, as you were sort of 
mentioning earlier, the sizing is really confusing. Um, maternity clothes tend to assume that the only place we grow is our belly. Mm. And um, that's how the sizing is done too, right? So a lot of times if you're looking for information on how to buy, you're like, okay, I'm going to buy maternity jeans. And, and maternity clothes in general tend to be designed with a size range. That's, that's sort of the point, right? It's not just that it's going to fit you at one point in your pregnancy. The idea really is, okay, it has a stretchy bump component or it's flowy or you can tie it or you can do whatever so that as your stomach grows, you can continue to wear it. That's sort of the defining principle of maternity wear. However, sometimes it's like, okay, well, if you're a medium when you're, you know, in not pregnant, then just buy a medium when you're pregnant. Well, that's not even true in regular American sizing when you're not pregnant, right? Like we all know I'm a medium from one store. I'm a large from another store. I'm a six in this. I'm an eight in that. I'm a six from the same store and an eight in another item from that same store, right? Like we all know. And then, and that's not taking into consideration at all our own body fluctuations. So the idea that, oh, you just take your same size is like, well, also, what if you're somebody whose legs have also, you know, gotten a little bit bigger or whose feet have grown or who, right? Like there are so many parts of our bodies that change. And the idea that you're supposed to just take the same size is ridiculous. So that's really tricky. And I found myself getting a pair of like two pairs of leggings from the same brand, both in a size medium. And one was perfect. And the other one I couldn't get over my knees, Oh, crazy! you know? And, and so that's just really tricky. And one of the things that gets suggested a lot, like if you read any fashion magazines or you Google like stylish maternity wear is what people tend to suggest is instead of going for maternity clothes, and this is not terrible advice, it's, it's quite good, buy regular clothes a size or two up because also then it's like maybe you could belt it or tie it or tailor it postpartum and continue to wear it, which is really nice in theory. However, that's really limiting in terms of who can actually access that option, right? If you're somebody who's already in a plus size range, then what if you're already towards the top of the size range that most brands carry? Where do you go? You have to go to maternity wear. And luckily, a lot of plus size stores do carry good maternity lines. And I have like a big roster of those brands for people if they ever need them. But it's pretty limiting, right? So it's like, and and we already know that plus size clothing styles tend to be limited. So plus size and maternity is like extra limited in terms of like what it actually looks like. So there's a lot of things about what your body is and how you sort of identify and want to present yourself that become more and more limited with maternity clothing. And my, I mean, honestly, my advice to people is to be gentle with themselves because it is the clothes, like, this is true in all of my work, but especially in pregnancy and postpartum, the clothes job is to fit you, not the other way around. And if you don't fit in something, that's not your failing, that's the clothes, right? And it's not necessarily the clothes failing, but it's they're not for you, right? It's not the right thing for you. And there's no value that you need to assign to that because um, stuff's not going to fit. You're going to get maternity clothes and you're going to be like, whoa, these are huge, but these are tiny and, you know, whatever. It's just, it's really hard. <laughs> so is it the case though that, I mean, I'm hearing you say you only need a few items that are specifically maternity. So that leads me to believe that what you're saying is you probably already have a lot in your closet that you can continue to use. And it's about seeing the items differently. Is that what's yeah. going on? Absolutely. Can you give an example of something that someone might look at and think, well, I'm pregnant. I can't wear that. But they're just wrong. They're missing it. They're not seeing it. 
Have you encountered confusion and anxiety when it comes to feeding your baby? Whether you are in the prenatal stage or are already feeding your baby, I would love to partner with you so that you feel at ease about the feeding choices you make for your baby. My name is Lo Nigrosh. As an internationally board certified lactation consultant, I can combine my expertise of hormones, milk supply, and infant and parent physiology with your expertise of your family situation to help you feel more joy and less frustration while feeding your baby. You can find all my information at my website at www.quabinbirthservices.com. Hey everyone, it's me, Tanya, your host here at the Motherwit Podcast. You know I sometimes invite my clients on the show to talk about their birth stories and postpartum experiences, but I want to tell you a little bit more about what those clients and I actually do together. I started Motherwit to help people in the perinatal period achieve their health and wellness goals. That means whether you're hoping to conceive and struggling with high blood pressure or high blood sugar, or you're having trouble managing anxiety or depression in the postpartum period, or maybe you just need support and advocacy between prenatal or postpartum visits, I can help. Get a discount on your first consultation with me at motherwitmaternity.com using the code FIRSTCONSULT10% OFF. That's 10% symbol, all one word. I'm looking forward to working with you and maybe having you on the show too. We hope you're enjoying the Mother Wit Podcast. If you are, please rate us and leave a review in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Thanks so much. Now, back to the show. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think tight, stretchy clothes, uh, like especially like a tight, stretchy dress, like something that's even bodycon when you're not pregnant. A lot of times those are actually pretty elasticized and resilient. That's definitely something that's an option. Um, But I really like to point out signs of versatility in clothes. Does it have a drawstring? Does it have a flat elastic waistband like um, yoga pants, right? That use maybe we roll over when we're not pregnant. You unroll that sort of rollover waistband and you roll, you pull it up and suddenly you have a great high-waisted pant. Um, buttons, zippers, ties, things like that, that, right? Things you can suddenly wear open or you can tie them up over your bump or you can write like, there are so many pieces like that. Um, if your partner is a larger size than you are, borrowing some of their clothes. Mm-hmm. There's some hacks and stuff like that. You know, the rubber band trick on your fly button. I'm not a fan. I just find it really uncomfortable, but some people really like it. Um, also, depending on what you're comfortable with, right? Like it can be really cute to just wear your jeans unbuttoned and rolled over, right? Like, you know, um, so there are a lot of options like that, sweatpants, and it can be uncomfortable, especially when you're exhausted and pregnant, but trying things on. But, you know, I, I think that the, the advice that I tend to give is that there are a couple pieces that will, that without them, your closet will feel really off limits and sort of limited. But if you have a good pair of maternity leggings, a good pair of maternity jeans, one or two tanks or t-shirts that are like, actually, if they're not truly maternity, that go long enough to cover your bump. Because that's, and not everybody wants that, but a lot of people feel uncomfortable with their bump sticking out. And so if you have like a tank that actually covers, that can be really useful. And then suddenly 
a blouse that you normally wear closed, you can wear it open or you can just button the center button, right? You can tie a sweater or you can wear a dress as a jacket, right? If it's a shirt dress, you can wear it open as a sort of duster. Mm -hmm. Um, Ruching is also a really good detail to look for in um, non-maternity pieces because it basically means the fabric is gathered along a seam. And that means that there's a lot of fabric there that's getting sort of squished into a small space that when you're not pregnant, lays sort of in a ruche style, but when you're pregnant, will expand and open up almost like a vent. Mm -hmm. So that can be great. Um, I would also say that I like to give people permission to be comfortable and you don't have to be super stylish as a pregnant person, right? That that's also okay. You can just like wear a big t-shirt and sweats. I did that a lot too. Like, you know? Yeah. I kind of, I want to believe that because of the culture of athleisure, we now kind of can more far away through the first trimester in athleisure because it's what everybody's wearing all the time anyway. And that pregnancy in terms of the clothing needs is kind of like the window is a little shorter. So second trimester ends up being where people are like, oh no, this is really happening. So like you mentioned the the uh, hairband trick. And yeah. of course it's like one of the only tricks I have up my sleeve to offer people because I'm not a stylist, right? Um, so I do tell people to do that. But for me, that's like, when you need to do that, that says, okay, I just bought myself a couple of weeks to figure it out <laughs> because totally. it's not going to last forever, that trick. It's a very it short window. I think everybody probably has that moment. I had a, that moment, like sort of the end of my first trimester. I was like, I'm not going to get maternity pants. I found some like larger men's dickies on sale at like Urban Outfitters or something. And I was like, I'm just going to get these a couple sizes up and I'll just wear them really low. Mm-hmm. I mean, they fit for a week. Like you, mm. you, you, you have to really quickly come to terms with, with things that are adjustable and things that actually have some flexibility. And even if the pants are bigger, ultimately, if they're stiff, you're, it's not going to work. Yeah. Like um, one of the things that's funny with overalls that I think people don't always realize is it's not actually, right, overalls are a go-to maternity piece. Um I struggle with them because when I was pregnant, I had to pee constantly. And I was like, oh, my God, do I have to get naked every time I go pee? But some people really, like, swear by them. And, again, I think that's just, like, to each their own. Um, Because overalls are adjustable. You have the buttons on the side that you can undo as your bump grows. You also have the shoulder straps, which we think of as shoulder straps. But what happens when your bump grows is that you can loosen the shoulder straps. Mm -hmm. And then you actually have more room through your front side. Right, that they're actually really adjustable. That's why people wear overalls. So I think that there are a lot of these sort of maternity staples that people don't always think of. Like, why is this useful for maternity? If you can actually identify, oh, well, maternity clothes are stretchy or they have, you know, several settings of where I can set them or they're that you tie them or they're ruched or whatever, then you can look for those traits in non maternity clothes. Do you have a few favorite stores that you think sell the staples that most people need? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I I recommend looking on ThreadUp. Um, I will warn you now, ThreadUp has, it's a secondhand consignment. Like, you know, it's also great for baby clothes. It's where I get like so many baby clothes because, and then you can send old baby clothes in and they resell them and, um, ThreadUp is less expensive. It's all secondhand. I will warn you that the like maternity mannequin that they use to put their maternity clothes on is like a horrifying like mannequin <laughs> with like a pillow stapled to its front or something. Like it's it's 
alarming to look at, but that can be a really great place just to get a couple pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, you know, I really, I think in, I often try to avoid fast fashion, but I don't think that there are a lot of great, like, non-fast fashion maternity wear companies. I think even the ones that are more expensive are still sort of participating in that fast fashion model anyway. So um, they just tend to be really expensive. So I like to warn people against Hatch, which is so expensive and the quality is just not that great. Um, If you have a piece that you're really coveting, from a place like Hatch or Pea in the Pod or something like that, like some of the higher end places, um, I would again suggest checking Poshmark or ThreadUp for those same pieces um, because it's just so pricey and it's not really worth it. Um, I really actually think Motherhood Maternity has a pretty good inventory of well-priced pieces. Um, I got my jeans there. Um, Jessica Simpson actually makes great maternity jeans. Old Navy makes great maternity jeans, like really cute. I'm a fan of actually the overbump versus the side. Uh, There's sort of two types of maternity pants. There's the side vent, or not vent, but sort of side panel, and then the front panel. And the front panel tends to be a full panel, so it goes all the way up and over your bump. I totally get what you were saying, right? I found that could be really itchy and I'd have to sort of like really moisturize my stomach before I put those pants on. Um, And I did get pretty far in my pregnancy before needing those. Um, But the side panel I found like slipped down and didn't really look like regular pants when I wore them. But some people really like them. Motherhood Maternity and Old Navy are two of my favorites. I think H&M has some good tanks and stuff like that. So for people looking for something a little bit more in the like higher end, um, you know, maybe more sustainable organic cottons, things like that. Stork, S-T-O-R-Q. People really like it. Um, Again, I I didn't find, like I didn't personally buy anything from there, but I've had a lot of clients have some success from there and it's not quite as expensive as Hatch. But those are my recommendations for where to find things and ask your friends, right? If you have a, or ask your doula or your midwife, do you have any you know, clients or anybody you might connect me with who was just pregnant who might have some maternity clothes to hand down, right? I think we forget about those or we get a little bit self-conscious or embarrassed, but I bet, I bet you know somebody who has a pile of maternity clothes that they don't have space for in their home and you have a bunch of maternity clothes you need. So I also recommend that, especially because I... I think for the most part, it's t- it's generally better to get maternity clothes that are a little bit more like basic that you can then add flair to with non-maternity accessories or pieces layered over them mm-hmm. versus like spending a lot of money on some really special maternity dress. If you have an event, I suggest renting a dress from a place like Rent the Runway or Newly, which actually have specific maternity rentals. But that can be great for like if you have, you know, a wedding to go to or something like that, which which does happen, right? That happens all the time. People who are like seven months pregnant are like, oh my God, I have to go to this work event or I have to go to this thing. I don't suggest buying a dress if you can avoid it. I recommend re- renting one. Yeah, I actually love Rent the Runway. Um, I am not a stylish person and I don't want to own a bunch of dresses. And I learned that I could wear a really high quality dress that I would never have paid for and look a whole lot better than I would have looked had I spent that same amount of money and then had that dress sitting in my closet and never wore it again. So yes, I agree with the Rent the Runway uh, suggestion 100%. 
I have another question for you. I've been holding it in my mind as best I could. I love it. You used a phrase that I don't know what it means. Maybe I'm the only one. Um, Bring it on. Fast fashion. What does that mean? Great. Okay. So (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. So fast fashion is really a pretty like umbrella term. And I think when most people who've maybe heard it in passing think about it, we're talking about brands really like Shein, Zara, H&M. The, basically, they are the it's, – it's a model of fashion business that's really about prioritizing profits over everything else, which is generally any business under capitalism – But what that means in the fashion industry in particular is that it's really about sort of creating a constant need for more pieces in consumers by having drops, you know, right? The old fashioned model is essentially seasonal, right? You get new clothes as the weather changed. And even then it was that was still a relatively manufactured need. Um, then it was like monthly. Zara does weekly. Uh, Shein does daily, right? Fashion Nova does daily. It is uh, low quality, relatively disposable pieces meant to only be worn a couple times that are at a very low price and will probably fall apart and that tend to be very trendy, right? They cater to the whims of trends, what a celebrity wore, what a Kardashian wore, what's trending on TikTok. And um, that... You know, the, the model is essentially that clothes are disposable and you buy things quickly and cheaply and then you get rid of them. And um, things that there are lots of uh, companies that are more expensive that still fall into that business model, by the way. It's not just Zara or H&M or Old Navy, right? They, there are a lot of places. In fairness, actually, right, I would say a majority of the fashion industry falls into some version of that. Um, it's the sort of rapid creation of items to make us want to buy more stuff. That That's what it's designed for. Um, but at the same time, a lot of those companies that are less expensive, right, the bigger box companies, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Zaras, the H&Ms, the Old Navies, they're also what tend to be accessible for people. And I think that when we talk about sustainability or labor practices or things like that, that ultimately you don't put the onus on particularly like a, you know, a lower income consumer who might have that be one of their only options for buying clothes. And I also think that if you're thoughtful, right, like we all live in this system and there's only so much we can really do as consumers to change that, right? Like the fast fashion version would be going to ASOS and buying 20 maternity dresses so that you have a new outfit to wear in every Instagram photo and then getting rid of all of them when you're done as opposed to going, okay, yes, I don't want to spend a ton of money. I'm going to get two pairs of leggings. I'm going to get a pair or two of jeans and I'm going to get two tank tops and two t-shirts to last me for basically a year. And then everything else I'm going to try to really be mindful and accessorize or style or, you know, make more personal with my own clothes or if I'm going to buy something new, maybe I buy something secondhand or I buy something that's a little bit more of an investment piece that's going to fit, right? Like if you're going to buy new clothes when you're pregnant, maybe you buy a great jacket or a great sort of, you know, silky robe or something that you can throw over that's going to fit that you can wear when you're not pregnant as well. Like then that's not, you know, that's a long-term investment. So that's sort of what we mean when we talk about 
fast fashion versus, you know, sort of I think the term people say is either slow fashion or sustainable fashion or thoughtful fashion, conscious style, conscious fashion, things like that. And all of it is imperfect, but and we all tend to have to participate a little bit in both. But that's that's really what we mean. Yeah, uh, that that's that's more or less what I inferred. But then you mentioned companies I wasn't super familiar with and I and referred to them as higher end. And that's when I thought maybe I don't know exactly what you mean. Um, and I think we've all had this experience buying something from H&M or a store of that level of quality and you wash it one time and it's gone. That's not even going to get yeah. you through a pregnancy. So what is the use no. of that? So I've, I've done my very best to not buy clothes in those stores for many years now. With that said, I recognize that that in an, is inherent privilege, right? Um, yeah, I try absolutely. really hard. The dress you're looking at me wearing right now, I've owned for about 14 years, right? Love but that. that's where my head is at. It's like you spend a little bit more money and something becomes a staple for life, right? Yeah. Like I have workout clothes that I've had now for easy 10 years. They're still in really good shape. I'm trying really hard in my own life to buy as little as possible and have it be stuff that will last and buy from companies that are trying to do the right thing in terms of their labor market and sustainability. And I think many people listening to this show are people who try to do that as much as they can within their budget. So I really appreciate that longer explanation because yeah. I may have not really thought about it beyond naming, calling out H&M and the stores on that level. A lot of it comes down to how you use it and how you're shopping for it and all of those things and recognizing that all of those things are privileges, right? If you're somebody who ha even has the time to go to Target and look at the pieces in person, if you're somebody who wears a clothing size that they keep in inventory in stock in, in stores right now, right? Essentially, if you wear over a size 12, finding anything in stores almost anywhere that isn't a giant box store, and even then, is almost impossible and you have to shop online. So you take the risk of... I'm going to order this thing and maybe I can't actually, you know, assess the quality of it in person. You know, I can't touch the fabric. I can't see how the thread looks or anything like that. And I think that what's really tricky about pregnancy is that being mindful in that way that I think so many of your listeners, I'm sure, really try to be in the rest of their lives becomes really hard. You go, okay, how am I supposed to buy an investment piece for a body that's changing every day and is going to be different in nine months anyway and then is going to be different after that and you know so so answering that question of how do I even do that thoughtfully that's really why I try not to put as much pressure on where the things come from but really how many pieces are you buying and um, are you buying them in a way that's sort of thoughtful so that you can use them almost as extend right outfit extenders in your already existing wardrobe. And I also think, you know, I have pieces like you, right? I have pieces that I've had, I mean, I have lots of pieces that I've had 10, 15 years. Some of them are fast fashion pieces, right? Some of them are things that I've gotten from places like Zara or H&M. Um, that happens to Some last. of it is also, that happened to last or right it's how did you take care of it 
Did you get, did you buy it? And this is a big thing that I do in my work in general, aside from pregnancy and postpartum work is, did you buy it because you like it or did you buy it because it's trendy? Because if you bought it because you like it, then the chances are pretty good that you're going to keep wearing it and you're going to take good care of it and you're going to, you're going to like it in a couple months versus if you bought it because somebody wore it on Instagram and then it got advertised to you and you felt this sort of itch that you needed to scratch and so you got it and you wore it once for the photo and then it lost its shine and it's relegated to the back of your closet and then you go dump it at Goodwill where then nobody buys it and it goes in a landfill. That's very different than making right if you're right if you're buying fast fashion pieces but you're holding on to them and you're making use of them. That's not the end of the world, right? That's that's at least a good use of that product that's already been created, right? That thing exists. If you've got it, try to take care of it. Try to make sure you're buying it because it's actually something that you like. And if you're going to focus your energy on trying to, you know, find ways to change these systems, then that's not going to come as a consumer anyway, right? That's going to come by supporting labor efforts, union efforts, right? Legislation to regulate big fashion corporations or dumping or waste management or things like that. Channel that energy there, right? Like, I I don't think that we are well served to beat ourselves up for like individual occasional choices that we make as consumers in this society that's so impossibly harmful in all of these other ways. So it's like, you know, I try to try to take the shame away from it. But I think another way we can think about this, and maybe I am only speaking for myself. I hope people will let me know what they think about this. Um, I know that regardless of how many items I actually own, the reality is when I do my laundry every week, I wear many of the same things over and over and over again. So we all feel this need to have these this wardrobe for the what ifs and the special occasions, but that they just don't come out that often. And we end up with a closet full of stuff that we are passionate about in some way. We love them. We don't want to get rid of them. When we tell ourselves it's time to purge, we have a hard time letting go of stuff. And we all play different mental games, right? Like if I haven't worn it in a year, I should get rid of it. Whatever. There's a million tricks in the book. But I think this is a time in life to really think about what do you really wear on the day to day and not blow your money on this stuff. Because let's face it, your money's better spent going into a college fund. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is not a time you're going to, people are going to spend money on so many things. You're going to spend money on baby stuff and people are going to be buying you all. The, and, and also your house is going to fill up with stuff, right? People are going to get you weird shit you don't want for your baby. You're going to get hand-me-downs. You're going to have baby gear. You're going to, and most of us don't have a lot of space either. It's like, you know, I'm sitting here, I've got a baby blanket, a Bjorn, a baby carrier, toys, my breast pump, my, uh, the tush baby, I've got like, like just in my office, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna get so much stuff. Uh, you're you're gonna regret getting a ton of maternity wear, as opposed to investing in, even if it's just an emotional investment, right? Forget like it doesn't have to be a, a financial investment, but taking the time instead of making a a panicked impulse buy because you're so frustrated with your closet, actually stopping and thinking, okay, what do I have? What do I need? What handful of pieces will make it so that my closet becomes more available to me than it than it feels right now? Well, and now I'm going to plug you just a little bit here to say it seems to me, and I'm literally figuring this out as I listen to you, it seems to me <laughs> that it could be more economical and better for the you know environment and all the things 
to have a consult with you during pregnancy because if it is true, which it sounds like it is, that we have a lot of things in our wardrobes that we can capitalize on during pregnancy, well then logic holds that it will also work for us postpartum. If it's stuff we were wearing, non-pregnant, and we found a way to make it work during pregnancy, that's gonna carry us through the transition that can take a long time to get through as we navigate that long postpartum period and the body changes and settling out into our new bodies. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously I'm going to agree because you were very nice about my services, but <laughs> yes, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, my, my goal in general is, is not right. Uh, I don't, I didn't see this, but I don't work off of a commission in any capacity. That's also something that is a little bit different from a lot of other stylists. I really um, have, no investment in people buying anything. I don't want people to feel incentivized to buy more stuff to get me more money or to make me happy or any of those things. I love that. And what you were what you were saying about um, that sort of as you're doing laundry, right? Realizing you wear the same couple of things over and over again, also brings up this like a lot of what I do in my work, which is. I like to dig into, right, a closet consult is essentially us going, okay, you mentioned all those pieces that you can't let go of that are in your closet. I actually don't want you to get rid of them, right? I think we have this idea from minimalism and a sort of very specific vision of what sustainability looks like, that the cleanest, most sustainable thing is to get rid of everything that you have and live a really like minimal lifestyle. But where does that stuff go if you get rid of it? I don't actually want you to get rid of it. If there's stuff that's really not serving you, then I would like to help you find a responsible way to donate it or I host clothing swaps, right? I could help you host a clothing swap, right? Whatever those things are. Um, But instead of that, I actually am invested in helping you figure out how to wear those pieces, whether it's in your everyday life or it's for a special occasion, most people have a reason why they don't reach for those things. And it's 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 rarely a piece where you're like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. I know exactly how to wear it and it looks great on me. I just haven't had the quite right moment for it. A lot of times those pieces have a little something that makes you go, oh, I just, I don't know what it is. There's something about it that I just... I put it on and I always end up taking it off and reaching for my uniform. You are so preaching to the choir right now. That (laughs) is exactly it. I have things in my closet that I love and I want to like on my body and I don't like them on my body. And I just, every time, take it back off. And I don't know, three months later, I think something magical is going to have changed about my body and I'm going to like it again. And it's the same disappointment over and over and over again. So what do you do about that? Okay, I have a couple things. Oh, I'm so excited. I get to I get to really preach here. Okay. So first of all, my like whole bread and butter, the thing that I emphasize more than anything is that people and this it's my job, right? I'm happy to help people. They don't have we're not encouraged to do this. You got to learn what you like and don't like. You have to learn what you like and don't like. And I know that sounds really simple, but I don't think people realize how much they don't know what they like and don't like when it comes to clothes. So I like I use um, a sort of metaphor that I think illustrates it for people, which is I believe that the way that people shop for clothes and buy clothes and navigate their closet, most people, right? Not not stylists, not fashionistas or whatever, but like the m- regular people is almost like if every single time you went to a restaurant, you looked at the menu 
and you had, despite having been to a restaurant a hundred times before, maybe even that exact restaurant, you do not know the flavors you like. You do not know what allergies you have. You don't know if you're a vegetarian or if you love meat. You don't know if you have celiacs or you're like a carbivore, right? You don't know if you have a sweet tooth or not. And every single time you go to a restaurant, you kind of shrug your shoulders. Maybe you're like, I think I liked this thing last time, maybe. And you point at, right, maybe you're a vegetarian with celiacs and you order the the pasta with veal sauce and then it comes and you're like oh I I have one of two choices now I have to eat this thing that's going to make me sick and uncomfortable or I have to send it back and waste food and that sounds like really kind of ridiculous to people because it's like of course no we spend our lives consuming food and we get a sense of right and there's no right it's not trendy it's not cool maybe you like tomatoes and i don't like tomatoes i love tomatoes but just by way of example and we go to restaurant together and you order something with tomatoes on it and i don't it's 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 that simple right and and maybe i'm an adventurous eater who eats everything and maybe you're a little bit pickier and you have the stuff that you know you like and you're gonna stick to that there's nothing wrong with either of those things But if you take that and you go, you take it from food and you apply it to clothes and you go, okay, every time people go shopping, right, they've gotten, you've purged your closet of stuff you don't wear. Did you ever ask yourself really why you don't wear it? What is it about that dress that that's really not working for you? Because chances are you're going to go buy the new stuff after you purged your closet and you're going to buy some stuff that have a lot of the traits that ha- the things that had that you got rid of in the first place and then guess what you have a new closet full of things you don't wear and a bunch of clothes sitting in the landfill. And so I really try to work with people to talk about and help them identify, okay, what are you not liking? And sometimes I have a pretty good guess. I've been doing this with enough, you know, enough people that I can go, I I think it's probably where this is hitting on your waist, right? I think it's probably the way that this is feeling on your neck or the the feel of the fabric, right? Or maybe this print, you seem like maybe it's the print that you're not liking. And let's talk about that, right? Like, like, and there's no right, a print that you hate, I may love. And that's great, right? There's no, again, there's no right or wrong. It's not, oh, well, you bought something that's not cool and I need to tell you why it's not cool. I don't, I have no investment in cool. Um, but that's that's a cycle that really happens. And so one of my favorite things to do with people is to, have right I would ask you that very question right okay you have your uniform great you have the stuff that's in your laundry every week because you know what it is and you know it fits you know it's comfortable I'm not worried about that stuff let's look at the stuff that's been hanging in your closet that you can't get rid of but you never wear let's try them on and let's see if we can style them in ways that make you go oh oh yeah if I do it like this I would wear it and essentially and this is my other like big piece of advice I facilitate playing dress up. And I think we all lose that time, especially as mothers, especially as adults with jobs and kids and all of these things, is that what happens when you, for example, because really I think this comes up for people with like special occasions. I mean, everybody wants to look good on the daily basis, but it's like people are like, especially moms, they're like, listen, I'm going to wear my sweats or my jeans, my t-shirt during the day with the kids, but we're going out for a date and I don't know what to wear. And I either one of two things happens, right? You want to wear something really special. And so you reach for that thing that you never wear and you put it on, but you have 20 minutes to get ready, right? So you just throw it on and you don't know, you put on your shoes and you leave and you spend all night kind of pulling out your outfit and adjusting it because something feels off and you don't feel comfortable in your skin or in your body. 
or you're nervous that that's going to happen. So in that 20 minutes, you reach for the uniform and you're comfortable, but you feel like, God, you know, I, I don't have a lot of opportunities to go out to dinner. And I really, I, we went and we had this special night and instead of wearing something that felt kind of like a, a fun occasion, I wore the same thing I wore, wear every week. That, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. And those are the two things that happen. And playing dress up is the solution. Give yourself an hour, right? And I know that can be really hard to find, especially when you're a new parent. But give yourself an hour once every couple months on a weekend or maybe when the kids are at school or whatever. Pour a glass of wine, smoke a joint, put on a you know record, light a candle. Like, I don't care. Do whatever makes you feel good and relaxed and play dress up, right? Like, you were, like when we were kids, right? What if I wear this shirt with these pants? What if I tuck it in? What if I tie it? What if I wear it open? What if I roll the sleeves up? What if I wear it with this necklace? What if I wear it with that necklace? What if I wear it with these shoes or those shoes? What if I add socks? What if I throw this jacket on? Is that crazy? What if I put this hat on? I don't even wear hats. Do I love this? Do I hate it? And when you find something you like, take a selfie and basically make a little outfits folder for yourself so that when you get those 20 minutes before the date, you go, oh yeah, I put that on and I loved it. Throw it on. Or call me and we'll do it together, right? But but that's like play dress up. That is like my number one piece of advice for people. You know what I love about this and listening to you, first of all, I just, our listeners can't see me, but I can't wipe the smile off my face because first of all, you're adorable. <laughs> and second of all, like you're, you bring such energy to this and everything you're saying relates to so many other parts of life. Like if I just tune out what we're actually talking about, this is applicable in all of our relationships, in our relationship to ourselves. like as adults who are busy, who are new parents, we lose our sense of humor, we forget how to play, like I'm as guilty of all of that as anyone else. And so I'm hearing how relevant this is to other parts of life. So while I'm somebody who like, uh, doesn't really care that much about fashion, clearly I care a little bit because I'm able to engage in this discussion and tell you things about my own closet while we're talking about it, but I want to I wanna not care because I don't want to deal. But that's the cycle, right? That's the cycle we're all going through. Um, I really love it. I love what you're out there doing. I think it's really special and it's really sweet. Um, and I love... I just love the spin you've put on it. I love the kind of nonprofit feel of it all. And uh, it's not to say that you don't deserve to make a bunch of money doing this. You do. But I love <laughs> that you're not like tied to some company that's paying you as an affiliate or whatever all those structures are. It's really, really great. You're really looking at each individual and saying, how can I help you feel better about yourself? I love that you are embracing pregnancy and postpartum through all of this. It's just great. I'm so impressed. Thank you so much. It's It's been really fun. And I, I love that you said, um, you know, not that you're like a big fashion person, right? Like, or anything like that. And I think that's it, one of my favorite things is being able to give people permission to care about their clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we all feel like it's really silly and superficial. And in many ways it is, right? Like clothes are not going to save the world. Like, you know, you got to still, you got to participate and be an active member of your community. But ultimately... I think that it's about how you get to move through the world, right? And and how yourself you get to feel all the time. And 
And if it's an affirming experience or if it's something that makes you feel sort of distant from yourself. And that's what I care about. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you for a second and say, yeah, you're right. In Directly, it doesn't save the world. But what you might be doing is give somebody who's trying to save the world the confidence to get up in front of an audience and speak or whatever it is that needs to happen. Yes. So there are layers <laughs> of this here. Um, totally. I like being a part of it. <laughs> I got one more question for you that I like to ask of everyone who comes on this show who's not a client and even sometimes my clients who have who who are entrepreneurs i have so many people on this show who are solo woman owned businesses mompreneurs womanpreneurs all the preneurs that are being thrown around in the ether these days Um, (laughs) and i i just want to ask you if you have any tips you'd like to share for someone who might be wanting to strike out on their own and do something creative that might make a difference in someone's life, whether yeah. it is fashion or it's healthcare? I would say start doing it, but start small. Like I, I have been able to expand this into what it is because I started pretty small and Um, I know that sounds maybe like the opposite of what, oh, go strike out there and go do it. I started doing these like little shops for very little money. I was still working at my other job and I was a new mom and I got to learn without worry, right? I got to make a little bit of money on the side while I learned the ins and outs of what I was going to do, right? I made some mistakes. I figured, okay, this is how I'm going to do that going forward because that didn't really work. And you get to do that without being like, oh my gosh, well, this my client's going to be so mad at me. Um, and I would also say that obviously it really depends on what your business is. But like this year for me of doing this has really been about building up relationships. And it's it's there's there's nothing better like and you can nickel and dime your clients or your customers over this or that or the other thing and i want every person who is doing labor to be compensated fairly for their work i really believe in that um but at the same time especially if it's just you there are times where there's a client who can't pay as much as i want or maybe i've undercharged them for this that or the other thing i'm building a roster of rela- of relationships with people who want to see me succeed and who feel connected to me and excited about my work and who are going to tell their friends. And so think about it as an investment in a long-term relationship and, and that any business really is only as good as you treat the people around you, whether they're your customers or yourself or your coworkers or whatever, or your family, right? Like you don't want to neglect them in, in exchange for it. So you know, try to think about the the strength of relationships because that's really what it all comes down to. I love it. I hear themes here. I hear side hustle. I hear <laughs> an ethical and thoughtful approach. Um, and those are things that are really powerful tools for people. I wish we heard more of that. I, I hope that the pandemic, my hope for people is that one positive to have come out of the pandemic is more people feeling like they can take their professional life into their own hands even if it doesn't make as much money as we might make 
being employed by a larger corporation or a healthcare company or whatever the case may be, but right. that it is ours and we can own it and we can mold it over time. Um, and it's nice to hear that those themes are resonating outside of healthcare um, and the ways in which we can interface with companies outside of our industries. So it's been really lovely having you. Um, can you tell people how to find you? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Sophie Strauss Styling or on my website, which is sophiestraussstyling.com. Awesome. We'll make sure to put all your details in the show notes. Thanks so much thank for this conversation so much. today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mother Whip Podcast. If any of the issues we discussed today resonate with you or your experience, I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a voicemail at 917-310-0573, or better yet, email me a voice memo at tanya at motherwitmaternity.com. I really want to hear what worked for you, what didn't work, what support you'd wish you had, how you got through the tough times, how you advocated for yourself, or especially any tips you want to share with our listeners. I want to hear all of it. And if you'd really like to work together, you can get a discount on your first consultation with me at motherwitmaternity.com using the code FIRSTCONSULT10% OFF. That's 10% symbol, all one word. Okay, that's all. It's wonderful being in community with you all. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. And remember, listeners, nothing we discuss on this show should ever be considered medical advice. Please speak to your local provider about anything that comes up in this show that resonates with you and your needs and your health care.